Friends, today is International Women's Day, a time where people all over the world observe and honor all that the women's rights movement has achieved and bring attention to all that still needs to be done for gender equality, reproductive rights, and the end of violence against women. When I think about celebrating women in my life, I was actually just talking, gosh, I can't even remember who I was talking to, but it was in the past day or so. I've mentioned this person in different conversations, interviews. I even wrote about her in the foreword of Richard Pryor's reissued autobiography. And it's my assistant principal from high school. I shudder to think of where I would be in this world today if I did not have the guidance and care and attention from her. I went through a lot of struggles as a kid, a lot. And I I know many people do, but I just happened to be so lucky to have this person. I mean, of course, we crossed paths a lot because I was always getting in trouble. And so sitting in her office all the time and typically a principal or assistant principal might just, you know, send you off to detention or however you're reprimanded or punished. I got hints of that, but I would say 95% of my time interacting with her was all encouragement, all love, all guidance. Even when I decided to drop out of school, she was ultimately behind me when I made that decision and I'm still in touch with her. Sometimes when I go through my life, I kind of will lose touch or forget how impactful that connection was. But then moments like this or the conversation I was having the other day, I'm just brought back to, man, am I thankful for that woman? So thankful. So happy International Women's Day. And let's start the show. I'm stunned at how good we look. Is your camera on? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Do you not see me? No, I do. I just wasn't sure if you saw yourself. This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro, determined not to let bad advice get in the way of a good time. Today's guest is an actress, writer, and comedian who has been on shows like King of Queens, Two Broke Girls, and Will and Grace, as well as films like Yes Man and Big Fat Liar. She has a Comedy Central special and was a finalist on Last Comic Standing. She is the founder and executive director of the Stand Up for Pits Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to saving the lives of pit bull type dogs. Rebecca Corey, my old pal, welcome to Don't Ask Tig. I'm so happy to be here. I am so happy to have you. Years ago, I did a podcast with you, and I remember afterwards, <laughs> people wrote in and accused me of having a crush on you. Because I was teasing you all the time. Uh And I was like, that is so funny. Because I totally get that people do that when they're attracted to people. They'll like tease and whatever. And But I was just thinking, 
That just hasn't come up in our friendship. Now you're, you know, look. Stunning. You're stunning. Not today. Not what I'm looking at on the Zoom link. But you are somebody that I enjoy teasing, I have to say. I enjoy teasing a lot of people, but man, do I love teasing you. (laughs) I know you do. And (laughs) it's honestly, I don't know why. It makes me laugh so hard. I remember one time I bumped into you at Whole Foods Mm -hmm. on Thanksgiving about 15 years ago. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you don't remember. (laughs) I do, in the parking lot. Yeah, Yeah. and then I think you were going in to get coffee. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure the entire encounter was you just ripping on me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was wearing what I was doing there. What am I getting? <laughs> and um, it was the best Thanksgiving I've ever had. <laughs> I remember when we were at a mutual friend's house for like a movie night or something, you walked in and I said, oh no, did you just get evicted? I know you did because, and I said, why? And you just said, just look, like, look at you. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, I can't even imagine what I looked like. Half the time my hair is standing up to the heavens, Uh, but uh, I adore you, Rebecca. And and I have to say, as I mentioned in your intro, the stand up for pits work that you do. Yeah. You don't know this, but my wife and I mention all the time how impressed and blown away we are at how devoted you are to saving the lives of these dogs. It comes up all the time. I'm shot. Really? Yes. I'm just like, you don't take a day off or a second off in your life to save these animals. And there's posts on social media, there's shows that you do. And I'm being very genuine when, of course, it's not every day, but I would say it's probably more often than you would think that we are both like, I cannot believe the energy that you put into it. And it's obvious it's so important to you. And I just think it's tremendous work that you've done. Well, thank you so much. It means a lot. I appreciate you saying that. It's a, it is an enormous amount of work and it really is every single day, 365 days a year. And I hope that will be my legacy. Where's the beginning of this story? What drew you to these pit bull type dogs? Almost 16 years ago, I adopted a pit bull type dog and she had been like, you know, really abused and they'd cut her ears off. You this know. is Angel, right? Angel, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was like the opposite of me, just like really zen and loves people. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, that's things. not you. Yeah, that's the opposite. And yeah. uh, she just was like um, really amazing. And I learned people were afraid of her and they would say horrible things about them. And then I started educating myself about breed specific legislation and it's discrimination against dogs based on what they look like and how they're wrongly vilified and all of the myths about them not being true and to do nothing would not be an option. So I just started doing live events. You did the very first one actually in Mm -hmm. Hollywood. That was 14 years ago. Mm -hmm. Then I organized a March on Washington to raise awareness about the dog fighting epidemic and um, breed specific legislation. And then I did my foundation and I became a nonprofit. And now we've saved literally like millions of dogs and helped change the way that 
society views them. And so what do you say to somebody that has a legitimate concern or, you know, I've had a not so great run in with a pit bull before. And I have to say, it's knowing you that I haven't gone down the road of, well, that's how they all are. Because I've I've actually seen other dogs attack or bite. It's not just a pit bull that I've seen, but I would have, if I didn't know you, probably just been like, oh, that's what pit bulls do. What would you say to that person? I would just say that like you and me, we're born individuals. Mm-hmm. You know, I have siblings that are not half as good looking as me and mm. it's not their fault. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's the cards they were dealt. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that just because all these dogs come from one type of dog that they're all the same. Yeah. They're all born inherently good. And a lot of the times when an incident happens, there's a lot more of story behind it. The dog has endured a lot of things that the media hasn't told the whole story or reported about what the dog has experienced to make that happen or what were the circumstances surrounding it. I'm not saying every single dog is perfect. Right. They're just all individuals and they deserve a chance. And You can't discard an entire group of animals. Yeah. I've always just been curious about this with you in general. Do you also just love dogs? More than any other living thing on earth. Yes. Yes. I live very, very, very small life. I live in a very tiny house with two dogs and it's very- This is not a dating profile, okay? I know, but I feel like after (laughs) this though, you got to admit things are going to change for me, right? Things are going to blow up. I figure, and I'm happiest with them. Mm -hmm. They make me laugh so hard. Yeah. They're great teachers and they don't even say a word. Yeah. They're magical. I just love them so much. Now, what is your feeling on cats? I love all animals, but they scare me ever so slightly. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> they scare me because they're squirrely and fast, uh-huh. right? They could crawl up your leg and slash your face if they wanted to, right? Listen, I'm going to start a nonprofit to change the way you think. Our cats don't do that. They travel in a pack. It is the cutest thing. They're like dogs. We're like, it's time for bed. They all hop up off the couch and walk up in a troop (laughs) to go put Max and Finn to bed. And they all sit in the room. I'll text you videos. They are all lounging around the bed at story time. And then we leave their bedroom. Then we go into our room. The all three cats follow us in the room, hang out in the bathroom while we're brushing teeth. There's nothing to be scared of. Really? Well, I mean, I do peruse TikTok every now and again in between my <laughs> dating schedule. Sure. I see cats, you know, mm-hmm. on there. Well, you'd have to. Yeah. And the ones that I see are really funny on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Like they do yeah. bits beyond bits. <laughs> they can hang from stuff and teeter on stuff and they smack <laughs> each other. And I do think it's really funny. I'm deathly ill, which mm-hmm. I think is a blessing because I would probably have 700 cats too. You're deathly ill? I mean, deathly allergic. (laughs) Oh, I was like, wait a minute. This took a very sad turn. (laughs) No, no. I'm deathly ill and I have a week to live. So can I just say something? I said deathly ill and you responded so calm. I am a calm person. I was trying to process what you were telling me. I thought, "Is, is she exaggerating here? I feel like I know you well enough to where if you are deathly ill, 
we can go into it, even <laughs> yes. though this is the first I'm hearing of this. No, I'm not deathly ill. I meant that I was deathly allergic. And it's a blessing because I would probably have a bunch of them because they are very funny. I would say they're almost as funny as pit bulls. And I can't imagine what three are like together. I bet they're oh. hilarious. I am going to send you videos after we record this. Now, Rebecca, it's been brought to my attention that you're currently directing and producing your first documentary. What can you tell us about that project? That is true. It's called Saving Jones. Okay. It's been in the works for many years, but now it's finally actually in the editing phase, and we're hoping to have it finished by the end of this year. And a director named Amy Ziering is executive producing it with me and is sort of been my mentor through the process. And it's about the cause. It's about abuse and discrimination and how it's not just exclusive to animals. It's very much a social issue as well mm-hmm. as an animal issue. Yeah. We're going to learn about that and explore that. And I'm going to, for the very, very first time in my life, we're just going to do a personal look at my life and I go back yeah. to my hometown and that's great stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's going to be intense and yeah. funny and great and heartwarming and inspiring and all that stuff. Love it. You certainly were one of the early people speaking out during, which is now known as the me too movement, having dealt with I always feel like it's not enough to call it misconduct or what would you say? you experienced? I would just say it's it's more sexual harassment. Yeah, it's interesting because even sexual harassment, when I think about that term, it still feels like what some people have done to others is assault. Because people will say, well, it's not assault because I didn't touch you. But then my argument is you can be verbally assaulted, People comfortably use that term, verbal assault, and you're not physically handled. Right. But people will accept the word assault in that way. Mm -hmm. To me, I feel like it is assault. Whether somebody's touching somebody or saying something inappropriate or exposing themselves, it's assault. And so I just wanted to, to share my feeling about how things are classified and labeled. No, I mean, I I absolutely agree with you. And in my circumstance, I was really fortunate enough to have the support of Courtney and David and Courtney Courtney Cox Cox, and David David Arquette and the support of friends and the staff that was there and all that. But I don't think that the Me Too movement was successful. I don't think that anything has changed at all. And I think that I was a perfect example of what you get when you do tell the truth. And that is Mm -hmm. just a battering for like two years straight after that, just battered by the public and no support from the comedy community. You know, everyone just wants to shove you even further away and distance themselves from you. The entertainment industry, Mm -hmm. this goes for women. I got more support from male comedians Mm -hmm. than I did from women, shockingly. But I don't necessarily blame anyone or hold resentment. I just sort of think it's just really telling about what we're programmed to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe one day, like your son's generation or the next generation, it will be a different thing. But for now, it's absolutely not. But I'm still, I wouldn't change mm-hmm. a thing. I'm, I'm glad I did what I did and said what I said. And um, you do suffer consequences for it big time when you do. Yeah. And what is the positive that you see from that time period of speaking out about what you went through? 
from that when you say you wouldn't change anything? Well, I'm an abuse survivor mm-hmm. through my childhood. So mm-hmm. when you are an abuse survivor, you tend to kind of stay in a victim mentality. You have to work at getting out of that. Mm-hmm. For me, just not only that experience, but any experience in life, standing up for myself and saying, you know, I'm not going to shut up and I'm not going to take it. And I know that it's going to be detrimental and I know that it's not going to be popular and I know I'm going to suffer consequences for it, but I don't care. That's the positive that came out of it for me. Yeah. And I only did it for me anyways. So everything else is that's up to everyone else. I can only do what I can do. And that is why I would not change it. And I gladly accept and have accepted the consequences of telling the truth. Well, it's interesting to use the phrase telling the truth, because there are so many different people in the industry of entertainment and the world and comedians that are like, yeah, I, I tell the truth. That's my thing as I I tell the truth. And then if you or somebody that is assaulted or harassed, whatever you want to call it, tells the truth, that's not a truth that's cool to tell. But they can tell the truth. They're the truth tellers. But don't you dare tell the truth about the truth tellers. That's it right there in in a nutshell. That's it. And, you know, like when you get death threats for two years and you get you're a hack and you're this and you're, you know, and that's not just from the public. That's actually mm-hmm. from other comics. Like mm-hmm. what a loser you, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And I remember texting you one time, a, a photo I got and you were like, Oh my mm-hmm. God, you know, it was shocking and, and uh, horrifying. But I, I do have to say that is a frustrating thing. What you mentioned, the, all of the tough talk. And I, I stand on stage and tell the truth. You know, I'm a, I'm a comic. I tell the truth. No, you're, you're, you're not, you're a lemming. You're scared. Yeah. And God bless you. You know, you got to pay your bills. You got to put food on your table. I'm not going to fault you for that, but it's not okay to say that what I said was it was wrong or a lie or whatever, especially when it was confirmed by the person themselves that they did it. Yeah. And I lost friends, you know, that I lost friends through that thing. Cause, um, Mm -hmm. it's so complicated. It was, it was really, really, awful and disappointing. But at the same time, it was like, I, I stood up for myself and I will always stand up for myself and yeah. it's pretty bananas, but, uh, it is what it is. And anyone does it to me again, I'll do the same thing. Great. I, you know, I feel the same way you do. Yeah, but you were amazing through that. And I, you know, I so appreciate it. And Stephanie too. I, I remember a couple of times I've shut my Twitter off. I'm not on Twitter anymore. But she got off Twitter too. <laughs> yeah. She was uh, tremendous and amazing. And and like I said, there were some really incredible people that were showed a lot of support. You were one of them. So thank you. Well, thank you. And yeah, Stephanie, man, I was like, you barely know Rebecca. And she's like ready to throw her life on the line for you. <laughs> she's not messing yeah, around. She was like, I got to get off of this. I got to get off of Twitter. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> it's, a <good> <laughs> so, it's a healthy thing to do. Yes. Now, Rebecca, you are, as we've mentioned already, you're a person who loves to help. So I'm now going to ask you to help my listeners. Okay. All right. Our first question is right in your wheelhouse, which happens to be the doghouse. Okay. Okay. Jeannie writes, I need advice about my neighbor's dog. 
My neighbors are the cutest and greatest family in the world. However, their little yappy dog drives me crazy. She stands on the property line and barks towards us when we're outside trying to enjoy the lovely weather or nature. I have two older dogs, and I often can only walk them around my yard for exercise because they have disabilities. I have considered buying a device that emits high-pitched sounds that would repel dogs within a certain range, but I don't really know if that's a humane solution. I want my dogs to have some peace and quiet walking around their yard as they continue to age. Rebecca, yeah, what does Jeannie do? Um, okay, wait, so I'm, I'm kind of confused. Who put the sound thing up? Who put the fence up? (laughs) Okay. My apologies. Okay. So, uh, the neighbors have a yappy dog that stands on the property line while they're out enjoying nature with their elderly dogs that have disabilities. And they've considered buying a device that emits high-pitched sounds that would repel dogs within a certain range. So it's not a fence. It's should she get this device that repels dogs, that has a high-pitched sound? Or is that inhumane? Does she put that on her dogs? Or does she carry it and like aim it at another dog or something? I've never heard. Rebecca, I don't have any more information than I've told you. I don't even... I don't know where she lives. I don't know the dog's name. Here's the thing. I feel like I do actually have the answer to this. Oh, well, then let's get to it. No, because like, yes, I understand that her dogs are elderly. Yes, they have Mm -hmm. disabilities. And I kind of, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't want to like pick a fight with this person. Mm, Jeannie, Jeannie, (laughs) when Rebecca says she doesn't want to pick a fight with this person. (laughs) No. Oh, Jeannie. No, no. I don't want to pick a fight with this. Oh, little I Jeannie. Do, I do feel, I feel like she threw in the disability thing as a way to soften the fact that she wants to use. A, she wants to zap a yappy dog. Correct. Maybe it doesn't have an electrical shock. Maybe it's not a gun of sorts. However, why should that mm. dog be limited to living its best life? And maybe that dog has things to say. Maybe her dogs are giving that dog the stink eye as they walk by. Maybe there's a status thing. We don't know what's going on between them. We really don't. And these dogs sound like they maybe do have a lot to say. Maybe they should start a podcast, right? Yeah, they should start I mean, a podcast. You could co-host it with I them. I would co-host. Now, I can see how it would be annoying, but also when you think of somebody dealing with a yappy dog next door it's also kind of funny because that dog doesn't know what it's up to it's just being a dog that's what i'm saying (laughs) like so wait do you think that it's okay for her to do that i know it's called don't ask tig right i don't think i would be comfortable i mean so the dog isn't getting zapped it's a high-pitched noise yeah but think about when your smoke alarm goes off do you go oh that's awesome Well, our alarm to our house went off this morning because Finn walked out the door to play basketball at six in the morning before the sun even came up. And he was like, Mom, the alarm's going off. And we're like, yeah, we can hear it. It's not fun. (laughs) (laughs) That was this morning. (laughs) Stephanie was like scrambling around on her bedside table trying to find the, the thing to turn the alarm off. And she was like, I know, I hear it. And he's just down there at the door like, Mom, the alarm's I'm trying to go play basketball. Wake up. Wait, he plays basketball? 
and football and baseball and soccer swim team. They're so athletic. It's okay. We can talk about this later. Okay. 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 Okay, Jeannie, I feel like, I don't know if Jeannie has a car. Why doesn't Jeannie walk the other way? How about just walk in the the other other way? I know disabilities and seniors. I get it, Jeannie. But why do you have to walk by the dog that you know is going to bark? And can they not put up a fence? They can't. It's not going to stop the dog from barking. But at the same time, it's like, no, I'm a hard no on this. Okay. And if she wants to come for me, she can. All right, Jeannie, take it from Rebecca. She knows what she's talking about. And you don't want to start anything (laughs) with Rebecca Corey. Rebecca, it's time for us to take a little break. But stay put. And we'll be right back with more questions. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. You can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Sephora, and Zappos. And even stack deals on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. Rebecca, this is relevant to our next question. Are you a competitive person? I am absolutely competitive. Yeah, I'm a very competitive person. Yes. Okay. Well, here's the question. Victoria writes, I absolutely love my partner's family, but they tend to get competitive playing what should be fun family games. At the last gathering, things got heated. People were accused of cheating. There were hurt feelings, etc. At the next party, I plan to buy a gift for one person to receive at the end of the party for good sportspersonship. They are all such loving family members when they're not competing against each other. What would be an appropriate reward that is gender neutral in the $25 to $50 range and that both teens and adults would like? Victoria, it's cash. (laughs) What are we even talking about? Nobody wants a bobblehead or... Yeah, I say cash is a great idea. Cash. Yeah, cash. Okay, Victoria, come on. I don't think there's anything wrong with getting that competitive where you hurt people's feelings. I mean, the gloves come off. There's got to be a winner. There's got to be a loser. And there's nothing wrong with that. Rebecca's, she's feisty. She didn't care. Your feelings are hurt. You're crying, whatever. We're having a party and some people are going to leave here (laughs) very upset. We're having a party. And if, if, if you obtain 
a low back injury, bruise your coccyx uh-huh. during a play, you're not paying attention. Yeah. That's how it goes. This is not our problem, Victoria. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we say cash. Okay, cash. Yeah. I'll agree with cash. You. All right. Rebecca, this next one is from Shannon. Okay. Shannon writes... Hi, Tig. I dated a man for two years. He was great and wonderful, but just wasn't the right fit for a life of marriage together. The last time we spent my birthday together, his mom made me a quilt and matching quilted pillows of my llama. I had my llama for 17 wonderful years, and he was the greatest pet ever and passed away in 2019. I'm now in a relationship I see turning into a marriage, and I don't know what to do with the sentimental gift from an ex's mom. Do I keep it? It has my llama's name quilted on it, so it's not like I can gift it to any other llama friend. What do I do with this special gift? Oh my gosh, Shannon, I wish I could meet you in person. I cannot picture who you are at all. (laughs) Can you, Rebecca? Yes, I totally picture her. What does Shannon look like? My height, four foot 11. She's absolutely (laughs) four foot 11. Okay. I'm a little bit more on the grossly developed side. I would say that she's probably got a really nice head of hair. Uh, Does she have hooves? Nope. Strong arms though, to control a llama. I would imagine you have to have good forearms. Yeah. Fair skin, sweet face, rosy cheeks, good teeth, Mm. glasses, maybe cardigans. Okay. Shannon, Rebecca is describing herself. (laughs) If Angel was on something... Mm -hmm. You wouldn't get rid of that. No, I know your viewers can't see it, but my entire arm is angel. Tattoos of my whole arm of angel. So I would never get rid of it. And if the new husband or fiance has an issue because it's from an ex-boyfriend's mother, he's going to have to seriously seek therapy to talk it through. Yeah, I feel like that's something that is just such a nice gift from your past Mm -hmm. that why would you have to get rid well, of it? Well, that's the other question I was going to ask. Why is she feeling like she needs to get rid of it? Does she still have feelings for the ex? Yeah, I can't imagine Stephanie being like, your llama quilt needs to go. If we're getting married, I mean, she might not be excited about it being on our bed, but it doesn't feel like a deal breaker. It shouldn't be a deal breaker. Exactly. And just the words, your llama quilt uh-huh. needs to go. I feel like that. That's a that red is flag. low. That is that's a red flag for things to come. Yeah, it needs to stay. If the llama quilt has to go, what's next? Exactly, Shannon. Okay, I never thought my career would lead to me answering questions about llama quilts, but here we are. <laughs> okay, Rebecca. Before I let you yeah. go, we have one final segment. Yeah. It's called Advice of Yesteryear. When Jerry brags about taking Ginny out. He learns that she dates all the boys. So as we see now, menstruation is just one routine step in a normal and natural cycle. How do you choose a date? Well, one thing you can consider is look. I did everything you said, but my boss still hasn't asked me to lunch. This is where we take a real question from an advice column of yesteryear and try to answer it a little better. This is from Dorothy Dix's column written in 1925. Hmm. Schoolgirl writes, Dear Miss Dix, I am a girl of 13 and want to know if it is right for me to use rouge. Signed, Schoolgirl. Is that the end? Yeah, that's the uh, question that came in. And Have you heard anybody in recent years say rouge? I've not heard that, no. 
What is rouge? You've never heard rouge? I have, but is it a cream or is it a blush? It's blush. It, somehow grandmothers from yesteryear yeah. used the word rouge. I wonder when it became blush. That's what I'm saying. I think, isn't that the, you put your fingers in it and you do the- Do you think I know? Okay, you do not know. I would just say, okay, it doesn't matter. Whatever it's made out of, nobody says I'm going to need some rouge. Uh, but now, if I film something again in the television or movie industry, I'm going to ask that they apply rouge <laughs> to my face. Do you think she should have worn it? A girl the age of 13? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a big makeup person. You're kidding. Well, even on other people, mm. I tend to like very, very natural looking. I don't know. What do you feel? I feel like, yeah, what, what would that hurt? She's 13. I mean, she wants to put some rouge on. Yeah, I don't have a problem. You know, I feel like you raise your kids, you you let them do what they want to do for the most part if they're not going to get hurt or hurt anybody else. I'm just saying I'm not a rouge person. Um, but if my kid wanted to wear some, right. uh, even, if, even if one of my sons wanted to. Right. In fact... Stephanie just took Max and Finn down to the makeup store because one of them wanted to buy avocado face cream that their Nana brings when she comes to visit. So he wanted one for himself to put on his nose and cheeks before he goes to bed. Really? Yes. And how old is he? Uh, they're six and a half. See, I think it's fine. 13. Yeah. That's double the age of that. And, that, you know, she probably doesn't have any ulterior motives. She just probably wants to have rosy cheeks. Do you want to hear what Dorothy had to say? I do. It is no crime to use rouge when you are 13, but it is frightfully bad taste. A little girl of 13 painted up like a middle-aged Jezebel is a sight to make the angels weep. <laughs> when you are 13, you have the most wonderful thing in the world, my child. You have the thing that every woman past 30 envies you so much that she would almost give her eyes to get it, and that is youth. When older women paint and powder, they are just trying to simulate what you have naturally. A smooth white skin with roses on your cheeks. Don't use cosmetics when you're 13. Wait until you're old and need them. Now, speaking of old, Stephanie and I went to our son's open house at their school yesterday yeah. <laughs> to see their what their classrooms will be next year. And we were sitting with their friends and Stephanie was in Max's class and I was in Finn's class and then we were going to swap. But while I was sitting with Finn and his best friend, his, his best friend said, um, are you older than Stephanie? And I said, I am. Cause I, you know, I'm 15 years older. And I said, why do you ask? And he said, uh, well, just cause I can tell and uh, I said, how can you tell? <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he points at my face with his whole hand and kind of went in a circle. Just, and he said, just because just cause your face looks really old. <laughs> and I said, yeah. I said, I'm 15 years older. I'm glad that, thank you for noticing that. And he was like, yeah. Like, no clue that he said something that some people could find offensive but it is mom's thing his parents weren't there oh. because they his house is like 
an hour away from the school. Mm -hmm. And so they were at work, Mm -hmm. but I was sitting with him just kind of trying to be parent like Mm -hmm. since his parents weren't there Mm -hmm. and sit with the two best friends. And what I got in return was, um, your face looks really old. (laughs) But that's also like taking Max to the ER one time when we checked in the woman behind the the desk. Uh, I said, I'm here um, with uh, Max Notaro. And she said, okay, are you the grandmother? (laughs) And I was like, no, but thank you for even getting my gender right. Oh my god. Did you say that? Thank you for even getting my gender right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that was the upside. Like you recognized I was female. But you are taking it to the chin, but you are you are doing it like a trooper. Wow. And then it all comes out on you in the Whole Foods parking lot on Thanksgiving morning. (laughs) Oh, I see. That's how it happens. Okay. That makes sense. But I, I do have to say, um, hurt people, hurt people. <laughs> and that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. I get why you do what you do. Yeah. And what were you saying? Are we going to address this horribly broken person who shamed this poor young girl? <laughs> yeah, please address. She needs to pull it together. Yeah. I mean, calling her a Jezebel. She just wants to have a little face color. Maybe she's just. Feeling under the weather. I'm sorry, but she didn't just say Jezebel. She said a little girl of 13 painted up like a middle-aged Jezebel is a sight to make the angels weep. Do you have her Instagram handle? Is it possible even generations later she has a child that's out there doing, you know, a descendant who's being just awful? I'll take her up right, right in the public eye. I know you will. I know you've done it before. This is from 1925. Mm -hmm. And I had some guests come on that speculated that maybe Dorothy Dix was a man. Really? Kristen Bell suggested that. Wait, so you have more than one question or something from her? Yeah. Every now and then I'll have an advice of yesteryear on an episode. And I guess the last one came up when Kristen was on. And she was like, I think this is a man. She could be absolutely yeah, right. I thought that was a, a good point. Yeah. Rebecca, it has been an absolute pleasure, as it always is, to see you and talk to you and laugh with you and make fun of each other and mainly me making fun of you. Right. But I do appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. You're one of my favorite people on this planet. Always have been. Same. that. I'm pretty sure this is going to be the most popular one you do and put out. Mm-hmm. And um, I will let you know how many gentlemen callers I get from it. Okay. Well, I think that there were many places in this episode that you made it clear that you are swinging single, ready to go. Yeah. Is there anything you'd like to promote? Um, uh, the next Stand Up for Pitts event is going to be at the Gotham Comedy Club in New York on June 4th. And um, I'm doing a few more the rest of the year. They can go to standupforpits.us to check out where else we're doing it. And then, um, yeah, when the movie Saving Jones comes out, watch it. Great. And please do check out all the incredible work that Rebecca does for these dogs. And uh, I mean, it's truly tireless, just endless work that she does. 
And it's incredible. It really is. It's so inspiring. And you put together the greatest lineup of comedians. And uh, I just can't encourage people enough to check out what you're doing. And also, Rebecca is one of the most ridiculous people on this planet. And it's what I love about comedy and comedians is the nonsense and ridiculousness. (laughs) And that is all that you do with your comedy so please check that out as well and um thank you again for being on the show thank you so much so fun i love you and i you bye 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 is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette and Shayna Deloria. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Alex Simpson and Derek Ramirez. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavadi, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always... Thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky. stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, (laughs) we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. (laughs) 